Today marks the start of an important fixture on New Zealand's culinary calendar. Lucy Corrie is with us, the award-winning food writer, author of Home Cooked, Seasonal Recipes for Every Day. Lucy's RNZ's Executive Editor, Lifestyle and Entertainment. Morena, Lucy. Morena, Jim. It's New Zealand Ice Cream and Gelato Week. Yeah, I know. Who knew? Who knew? So all things ice creamy are celebrated. Any any excuse, I reckon, is a good idea to celebrate ice cream or gelato. Or sorbet. Indeed. We are the most enthusiastic eaters of ice cream in the world, Lucy? Well, apparently um, there's an oft-quoted but very hard-to-verify statistic that claims that Kiwis are among the world's most enthusiastic eaters of ice cream. Now, according to the New Zealand Ice Cream Association, who are the people behind New Zealand Ice Cream and Gelato Week, um, the average Kiwi gobbled up 28.4 litres of ice cream in 2022. No. I know. That seems like a heck of a lot, That's doesn't it? a lot it? of ice cream. Um, I worked out with my uh, not very good maths that that's, you know, a bit more than a... That's about a pint of ice cream or about half a kilo of ice cream a week <laughs> per person. <laughs> I suppose if you were having a little scoop five nights a week, that would easily um, add up. But it seems like quite a lot to think, uh, oh, 28.4 litres. OK. Well, we'll just accept the... Um, hyperbolic-seeming quantities. Um, <clears throat> can I ask you, how easy really is ice cream to make at home of a standard good enough to satisfy your children? Oh, don't, ma- don't be making it for your children. Just make it for yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> See, that's where the 28.4 litres of ice cream comes in. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is actually reasonably easy. Uh, you don't necessarily need to have an ice cream machine or ice cream churn, you can do it with um, a good old-fashioned whisk, egg beater, and a bit of elbow grease, and a few secret ingredients that are nonetheless easy to buy from the supermarket. Let's get to your secret ingredients. You've settled on goody-goody gumdrops this morning. How come? Well, some listeners might remember a bit of a furore about a year ago when Tip Top announced that it was discontinuing its two-litre tubs of love it or hate it, goody gumdrop. And I'm not a huge super fan of goody gumdrop, but I love um, finding a way around something when someone tells me I can't have it anymore or it no longer exists. And so I thought I'd have a little try at a DIY version. I remember eating it from an ice cream parlour in Rotorua in the 1980s. At a, um, do you remember those shops that were called Danish Delight? And no, they had a hu- they had huge cones, oh. and they'd pile in um, lots of scoops of ice cream, good Bless them. Up, obviously, Bless them. and whipped cream on top and things. And they were, you know, when I was about nine or ten, it seemed like the ultimate in luxury. Because <laughs> lots of people have made goody goody gumdrops, as I presume, over the years, I, all over the place. I don't know, actually. I've never, I haven't seen it anywhere else in the world. I do know that in. France, they make a blue bubblegum flavoured um, ice cream that is <laughs> that is called that they call Smurf ice cream, um, and that has a similar flavour. But I think Goody Gumdrop, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, might be a uniquely New Zealand invention. Okay, 
Well, all the more reason to have a home-grown recipe for it. So how hard is it? Can you go through it for us? Sure, sure. So this will come with a bit of a disclaimer first, though, that making this ice cream at home is unlikely to be cheaper than buying a tub at the supermarket. But it makes up for that because it comes with far more impressive bragging rights. True. Um, All you need are two cups or 500 mils of cream, a tin of condensed milk, um, which is, you know, a super a superfood. Um, six, about six or eight drops, or an, a very scant eighth of a teaspoon of bubblegum flavouring. Now, bubblegum flavouring you won't find at the supermarket. You'll need to hunt that out at a specialty cake store or party store. Okay. And it will come in a tiny, tiny bottle. I think the bottle I've got contains 3.7 mils. Um, <laughs> but let me tell you, you don't need very much of this um, to add a hint of bubblegum flavour. Um, <laughs> it's dynamite. It's absolute dynamite. It's, I, look, I was making this ice cream last night just to, um, you know, refresh my memory, and I'm sure that my I can still smell it on my fingers after I spilt some <laughs> on the bench. Um, it's very potent. So you've got the cream, the condensed milk, bubblegum flavouring, and a dash of green food colouring yeah. and if you happen, happen to have it lurking around at home um, a tiny tiny drop of blue food colouring too because that seems to give the right flavour balance um, and then of course for the the gumdrops um, a packet of wine gums so what you do you whip um, using electric beaters or a rotary whisk and some elbow grease you whip the cream to firm peaks um, Stir in the condensed milk, flavouring and colouring until combined. Now at this point, get a bit, give it a bit of a taste to make sure that it's bubblegummy enough. Yeah. Um, and obviously you add the bubblegum flavouring uh, a drop at a time. And <laughs> this is a crucial tip that I once learned from Ruth Pretty. Don't ever me- uh, measure any kind of flavouring for anything um, over the bowl that you're going to add it to because it's so easy to accidentally uh, slip and in goes half the bottle. Yeah, um, of on, course. And, you know, that's how you end up with, um, you know, hot pink icing instead of <laughs> sugar pink and <laughs> um, that kind of thing. Anyway, so you've mixed those things together. Now, the packet of wine gums, it's about a 180-gram packet, I think, and this is allowing for the cook and any other people lurking nearby to eat a couple in the process. Yes, of course. Um, my other top tip is to cut the wine gums in half because a frozen wine gum is lethal on the teeth. Um, unless your teeth are incredibly strong and don't have any fillings in them, you can easily crack a tooth or pull out a filling or do both of those things by eating frozen wine gum. And I can um, uh, speak to that from expensive um, personal experience. <laughs> yeah, we don't want health and safety having to come to every home that tries your recipe. No, 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 no. So those disclaimers are important. So you've, once you've um, got your mixture of the cream and these and condensed milk and flavourings together and you've chopped up your wine gums, pour about a third of the mixture into a plastic container. Obviously an ice cream container is very handy here. Yeah. Um, scatter over a third of the wine gums and then repeat that process ending with a layer of wine gums. Now this might seem like a bit of a faff, but it um, prevents all the wine gums from sinking to the bottom. Ah, which is important. Important. Then you just um, pop the lid on and free put put it in the freezer for a four to six, let's say six hours before scooping. 
And, sure. it should, and it should taste just like the real thing. Well, it's very easy to make, isn't it, actually? Yeah, yeah. And look, if you didn't want to use bubblegum flavouring, um, you can use that basic ice uh, cream and condensed milk combination with other flavours. Um, you could stir in some pureed fruit, um, you could add some vanilla, some rose water, um, chocolate chips. You know, it's a really good basis for an, a homemade ice cream. I was going to ask you if there was a substitute, if you couldn't find a party store. Fantastic. Lucy Corrie and the Goody Gumdrop Ice Cream Recipe in honour of this very special week. Thank you for that. Um, hey, a couple of other things to ask you about. I was reading on the business website CNBC about when it's acceptable when dining out to send the food back and when it's not. And I was thinking many of us will have been in that position at the odd restaurant in our time. What do you think? Uh, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I think you have to be quite... You have to strike the right balance between um, confidence and... Uh, rather than aggression. I think I've sent things back for not being hot enough. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you have a bowl of soup and they've obviously, um, you know, it's not come out of a pot or it's forgotten, someone forgot to put uh, the ding on in the microwave. Probably the trick here is you can't, um, in good conscience, eat half the plate of something and then say, excuse me, waiter, (laughs) this meal is not to my liking. Um, I tried and tried, but it just wasn't to my liking. I've eaten all of this steak and now I've just realised that it was overcooked. Um, I'm sure people try, um, but I don't think you'd have much success or ever be able to dine there again. But it could be quite subjective. I mean, if it's not what you want... Uh, in whatever shape or fashion it arrives in, and for whatever reason, you can actually, as you say, employing manners, say, listen, this isn't actually what I want, but you've got to have a reason. Yeah, I think you've got to have a reason, and you've got to be reasonable as well as having a reason. Um, A few years ago, I remember dining out with someone who uh, didn't want to eat. Um, She ordered a salad with poached eggs, and the poached eggs came, and they were you know, beautifully cooked, nice and runny in the middle, like a poached egg should be. And she was pregnant and didn't was very nervous about eating uh, a not, uh, a, you know, a, a runny egg. Right. And so she kept saying to the waitress, I'm sorry, but these eggs aren't cooked enough. And um, it was awkward because I really wanted to say, Emily, it's a poached egg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ask for a hard-boiled one if you don't want to eat a soft one. And the poor... Yeah. Um, Waitress was saying, "But oh, yes, madam, but um, I can take them back. And I think in the end, the, someone from the kitchen came out and said, look, <laughs> how about we cook you something different because I'm not poaching an egg until it's rock hard in the middle. Right. Um, but, but equally, I um, dined somewhere where one of them, um, someone at the table was eating some fish and the fish came out and it was clearly... Um, off, it had that terrible ammonia smell and, you know, that was sent back immediately and someone from the kitchen then came out and was full of apologies and said, oh look, we had no idea. Um, You know, thank you so much for being honest and sending it back. So be reasonable and the kitchen will rise to the occasion and oblige you probably. Yeah, hopefully they will. I saw a mention that it might not be appropriate to send back food if you're not the one paying for it. I thought that's actually quite a good point. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I think that's about being a good guest on several levels, isn't it? You don't want to embarrass your host. Yeah, exactly. And you also shouldn't ask for a refund. I mean, you should say, listen, can you substitute 
this for me, please, rather than saying, uh, look, I'm just so unhappy, I just want my money back right away. <laughs> yes, I've eaten most of I've eaten nearly all of this dinner, and now I'd like it for free. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and just quickly, with the nation's potatoes growing merrily in time for Christmas, New Year, those lovely explosions upwards of green foliage, um, I saw a recipe in a magazine for Dutch stem pot. I have no idea what that is. And it calls for mashed potatoes with lots of leafy greens mixed in. And I know our children always rebelled against any additions to mashed potatoes, even shredded carrots. They wouldn't like that. If you want to healthy up potatoes, because we all hear about lots of leafy greens needed, what would you recommend? Um, Well, firstly, I should say that I have quite a complicated relationship with mashed potatoes because I went to boarding school where we were given mashed potatoes to eat, you know, five nights out of seven. And (laughs) it's only just, it's only now, approximately 150 years later, that (laughs) I can stand to eat mashed potatoes. Um, We never had them when I was growing up, I don't think, possibly. I think um, we we had too big a household for my mother to face mashing enough potatoes. It's It's a great way to disguise a pretty average potato, of which there are many. Yes, you're exactly right. Um... A potato in its in and of itself is quite healthy yeah. already. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it needs to be healthied up per se. I mean, obviously, if you were deep frying it, <laughs> you might need to eat a few more um, leafy greens to <laughs> redress the balance. Um, I personally, to a, to a mashed potato, um, I don't think I would add too much in the form of other vegetables, unless those other vegetables were deliciously fried onions and garlic. Okay. Or maybe, um, I think in Stampot, um, which is such a great name for a dish, it, is. Um, it has cabbage in it, I think. Um, oh, gosh, would you put cabbage in <laughs> mashed potatoes? <laughs> well, if you had enough, you know, cream and butter to yeah, um, so. soften the blow, I think yeah. that would work. Okay. Um, otherwise, I would say, um, you know, tuck into the potatoes and just have those delicious leafy greens um, on and some side. of the dish on the side. Good to talk. Thank you for the lovely Goody Gumdrops recipe. That's very encouraging that it's so simple as well. And look forward to next time, Lucy. Thank you, Jim. Lucy Corrie.